And this is the View of the Valleys podcast, season two, episode eight, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. Hope everyone's been doing well over the last month. Uh, basically took a little bit of a break here, uh, not by design. It's just uh, my schedule and TJ's schedule have not been uh, matching up. I got moved to nights on, you know, for my job and, you know, TJ been working, you know, during the day and it's, it's been really tough just trying to get, get a time and day that we can, you know, record. And so this episode, it's just myself uh, riding solo here, uh, TJ unable to make it due to his scheduling, but I thought it, you know, we talked about it and we thought it'd be, you know, be fair that, you know, at least get an episode out here, you know, to let you know what's been going on. And to let you know that, hey, you know, we're trying to get, you know, our schedules to work out. But, you know, right now during the holiday season with our schedules, you know, basically flip-flopped, it's just been impossible to uh, do it on a weekly basis like we did last year and, you know, the couple months uh, leading up to basically the start of November, you know, getting towards Thanksgiving and now uh, Christmas. So hopefully going forward as the holidays come to an end, our schedules will be back on the same page and we'll be able to, you know, break down these uh, conference matchups between the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley and get back to a regular basis on a, you know, doing this every week because that's what he wants. That's what I want. And, you know, ultimately, that's what this podcast is about. And hopefully that'll all work out in the uh, coming weeks. So that's why there's been such a big gap between episode seven and episode eight. And I believe, you know, episode seven was almost a month ago, if not a little bit longer. But during this episode, I'll get you caught up on what has happened since the start of the season. I'll recap the current standings between the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley. We'll also look at the records between the two conferences head to head, Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley. Uh, some of the schools uh, have not played each other or have not played uh, the Missouri Valley Conference at all. Same with the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley going head-to-head. Also, take a look at the net rankings here between the Missouri Valley and the OVC, which teams have landed it in the top 100. We'll get to that as well. And also some other news surrounding the league. Uh, Big news out of the OVC here as of, you know, the last couple days, the Ohio Valley gaining a new member, which is much needed for the conference, as the OVC will be having two schools depart from the conference here at the end of the year. And then we'll take a look at some uh, football news as well to wrap up the show. But first things first, we'll go into the current standings here of the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley. As most teams have played at least, you know, six games, six, seven, most upwards of about 10 at this point. Uh, We'll start off with the Missouri Valley. You know, the two teams you think about in the MVC, they are at the top. You got Loyola Chicago, currently eight and two. And then you have Drake at six and three. Both those teams uh, undefeated at home right now, six and zero and five and zero respectively. Then you got SIU five and three, Illinois State at four and five, and then you got Bradley four and six, Missouri State five and four, followed by Valparaiso five and five, Indiana State at four and five, and then Evansville four and eight, and then Northern Iowa rounds it out at two and five. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, okay, kind of weird that you have a couple teams that are above 500 below some teams that are have a below 500 record. Well, that's because the Missouri Valley this year did that one conference game in the middle 
in the midst of a stretch of non-conference games, you know, before Christmas. So Loyola, Drake, Carbondale, Illinois State, and Bradley are all 1-0, while the rest of the league is 0-1. You look ahead to the OVC here, and you got Murray State atop the conference, 7-1, Belmont 8-3, coming off a big win against St. Louis. We'll get to that here a little bit later. Uh, Moorhead State, 6-3, Austin P at 4-3, then you got Southeast Missouri at number 5 right now, 5-4. SIUE at four and six, and then UT Martin is three and six, while Tennessee Tech, Eastern Illinois, and Tennessee State round out the standings at two and seven, two and eight, and one and six. But big win for Belmont in the St. Louis game. I mean, watching that one, uh, Belmont fell behind early, and it honestly, they got off to a terrible shooting performance that they were down. I believe it was 18 to 3, fell behind by 15 real early. And then they just started chipping away in the game. And you knew St. Louis wasn't going to be able to keep Belmont at bay all game with their shooting performance. Belmont was able to cut it to a six point deficit before heading to half. It was 32 26. And then the Bruins were able to start feeding uh, Muzinski the ball. Uh, he didn't have a lot of points in the first half but then they were able to get him on back-to-back possessions for back-to-back baskets to start cutting into that Billiken lead. And before you knew it, Belmont had, you know, tied it up and they would come away with a five-point win. But honestly, it wasn't because of their three-point shooting. Uh, Belmont known for their three-point, you know, shooting performances game in and game out. Only shot 25% from deep, 6 of 24 from behind the three-point line. But the Billiken, or the Bruins did have three guys in double digits. You know, you had Muzinski with 12, Grayson Murphy with 14, and then freshman Will Richard uh, had 14 as well. I apologize, uh, Richard had 15. So all in all, a big win for Belmont as St. Louis gotten off to a good start, even though the Billikens have been out with one of their best players. Uh, St. Louis was 7-2 entering that matchup, while Belmont was uh, 8-2. Now as we make our way into you know, what's ahead for the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley, there are a couple matchups between the two conferences still head-to-head that will have to take place here before the non-conference stretch of games ends. But at this point, the Ohio Valley has a slim 5-4 to four lead against the Missouri Valley in head-to-head matchups. you got Murray State, who's 1-0. They have a win over Illinois State. Uh, Southeast Missouri is 2-0 after an impressive win to open the season against Missouri State as I think they were roughly about 16-17 to 17 point underdogs. So uh, a game where you know the sports or the betting odds makers were not giving SEMO really any chance at all to win that game. Uh, but SEMO shot lights out from the floor to come away with a road win at Missouri State. And SEMO also has a win against Evansville that happened this past week, uh, 75-73. SEMO uh, still has a game in hand against the Missouri Valley School. They'll have a game at SIU uh, later on in the uh, coming uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, Austin P 0-1 against the Missouri Valley. They have a loss to SIU earlier in the season. Uh, Belmont is also 2-0. Uh, they beat Evansville 
and then also had a big win against Drake on a neutral court. Uh, Eastern Illinois is 0-1. They have a loss to Evansville and SIUE, also 0-1 with a loss to Bradley. And then the only other matchup that has happened is Tennessee Tech with a loss to Evansville. So is if there's one thing in common here, it's, it seems like Evansville is playing the whole conference of the Ohio Valley. Uh, Evansville has played Tennessee Tech, uh, Eastern Illinois, Belmont, and SEMO. So, I mean, you got four games right there. And one of the other matchups that is still left between the, the two conferences, uh, UT Martin and Evansville will also face off in a game in Evansville. So that'll be the fifth game that Evansville has played against the Ohio Valley. Uh, Moorhead State does not have any opponents from the Missouri Valley on their schedule. So right there, that kind of rounds out, you know, what the two conferences have done head-to-head. Pretty back and forth here, uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how the rest of the non-conference schedule uh, shakes out for uh, the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley as both conferences with the members between the two conferences have a lot of quality opponents left on their schedules. Uh, We'll make our way into some of the net rankings here between the MVC and the OVC. Uh, Which teams have landed in the top 100 in the net? Kind of tease that at the beginning of the show. Uh, There's a total of five teams that have ranked inside the top 100. There are three schools from the OVC, two schools from the Missouri Valley. Uh, The team with the highest net ranking comes out of the Missouri Valley. That is Loyola Chicago, as expected. Uh, they come in at number 24 with an 8-2 and two record. Uh, they are 1-2 and two in those quad one wins. So that one win has helped them, you know, gain some traction there in the net rankings. Uh, Belmont, number 38, 8-3 overall, 1-1 one one in those quad one wins. Uh, that quad one win did come against SLU. Big win there for the Bruins. Uh, Murray State, number 61 in the top 100, a 7-1 record. They have not had a game inside the quad one bracket yet, but they do have a big game tonight at Memphis. So Murray State, a chance to snag a quad one win if everything goes the racers way. Uh, But they're going to need big games out of Telvin Brown and uh, KJ Williams if they want to get it done at FedEx Forum. Murray State opened as 10.5 point underdogs against the Memphis Tigers. Uh, Moorhead State. Number 89, 6-3 overall. And Moorhead State has had a brutal, brutal schedule. They are 6-3 overall, but have played three quad one bracket games already. And, I mean, they have more on the schedule than just those three. But you look at what Moorhead's done against those quad one games. Open the season at Auburn. uh, Lost by 23. Auburn, a ranked opponent. Uh, they've also played Mississippi State and uh, UAB as well. So a tough non-conference schedule thus far for Moorhead State in some of these bye games, but they also have a game against Xavier that'll take place uh, December 15th. Moorhead State also has a solid opponent on the schedule in East Tennessee State that'll help round up their uh, non-conference schedule before uh, conference play. And the last team in the top 100 is the Drake Bulldogs as they come in at 100, literally rounding out the top 100. Uh, six and three overall, 0-2 in those quad one 
games. Uh, the Bulldogs opened the season 3-0. Then they hit that rough stretch, but very, very quality opponents. They had Belmont and Alabama, who was in the top 10 at the time, uh, in a mixture of those uh, three games. They also lost to North Texas in that three-game losing streak. But since then, they've rebounded. They got their conference win against Valpo, uh, 73-66, and then have had wins against St. Thomas, Minnesota, as well as Omaha, um, a road win there at Omaha. Uh, Drake will also have two non-conference games left on the schedule. Total, they have they have five non-conference matchups left, but two of those quality opponents where Drake could have a chance to snag some quad one wins there. Uh, they have Clemson on December 11th, and they'll also have a game against St. Louis on December 22nd. So two games there that Drake could could gain some traction there in order to help their uh, their net ranking before conference play starts. And ultimately, uh, one of those games could be a deciding factor if Drake is able to get an at-large bid if, uh, if that's what it comes down to if they don't win the Missouri Valley uh, Conference Tournament. So as that rounds out the top 100 for the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley inside the net rankings. We'll take a quick look here at who's been leading the way for the Missouri Valley and some of the key key areas in the uh, stat book. Uh, offensively, uh, Illinois State's Antonio Reeves leading the league with 20.6 points per game, followed by the Saluki's Lance Jones, who has almost 18 points per game. Uh, then you got that one-two punch down in Springfield, Missouri with Gage Prim and Isaiah Mosley. Uh, they rank in the top five in points per game with 17.4 and 16.6, respectively. And then A.J. Green rounds out the top five with 16.4 for Northern Iowa. Uh, assists, uh, Loyola Chicago, one of the key guys you think of in the league when you think of assists, that is Braden Norris, averaging over four assists per game. And then defensively, Gage Prim is leading the league in rebounding with just over nine rebounds per game. Team-wise, Loyal Chicago is leading the league with almost 80 points per game, 79.9 offensively. Uh, Illinois State does rank number two in the league as a team, 79.7. And then Evansville right now is last in the Missouri Valley in points scored at nearly 62 per game with Southern Illinois just ahead of Evansville in points per game. Look ahead to the Ohio Valley side of things here offensively. Uh, Tevin Brown's leading the league in points per game, just over 18, as well as Rayshon Taylor, as they're both kind of co-leading the league, as they both have 18.1 points per game on the season. Uh, another racer in the top five, K.J. Williams, 17.8. A good one-two punch for the racers down in Murray, Kentucky, as the, those two have helped mold this racers team here early on and has helped them propel to seven wins thus far. Uh, Nick Muzinski averaging right at 17 points per game for the Bruins. And then Eric Reed Jr. out of SEMO uh, averaging over 16 points per game. You look at the assists, uh, Talon Cooper from Moorhead State, just a great team player right now to start the season. And he was supposed to be a good facilitator down with the Moorhead State Eagles, and he's done just that averaging over seven assists per contest as Grayson Murphy is averaging right at five and a half per game. 
Uh, defensively, uh, John I. Broom, no surprise here, averaging almost 10 rebounds per game on defense, uh, 9.7 thus far. John I. Broom also leading the OVC in, in blocks per game, totaling over four per contest. The one area did not get into in the Missouri Valley, uh, three-point shooting for the Ohio Valley. Uh, it is worth noting, I thought that it was worth a mention, uh, Keyshawn Davidson at Tennessee Tech, uh, just blistering from three-point range. He's shooting nearly 53% on the season, 19 three-pointers made, 36 attempts, while uh, Philip Russell, a St. Louis transfer to Simos, averaging over 47% from three-point range on the season, 17 of 36 from distance. Now, when you look at the team perspective in the conference, uh, most points per game, uh, most would think Belmont, you know, as they as they are known to get up and down the court and shoot the three. Uh, they are in second at 77.8 points per game, just ahead of SEMO, who's right at 75. Uh, Murray State leading the OVC, over 83 points per contest. Now, Belmont has played three more games than the Racers, but nonetheless, Murray State off to a off to a great start offensively at 83.4 per contest. Uh, Eastern Illinois, uh, 10th in the OVC in points, scored 58.1. Now, really, Eastern Illinois trying to find their identity as they have a bunch of newcomers on the team as Jay Spoonauer's squad from last year, uh, I think, basically graduated or transferred basically the whole, the whole squad outside of about one or two players up there in Charleston. So with that, that's a little bit of a recap here from what's been happening in the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley thus far in the non-conference portion of games. Uh, but we'll make our way into what's happened here recently in the OVC outside of these non-conference games. Uh, the OVC just announced a new member as of next season, uh, much needed for the conference as they have lost two teams at the conclusion of this year as Belmont and Austin P are leaving the uh, OVC. Uh, the OVC announced that the Little Rock Trojans, who are currently a member of the Sunbelt Conference, they'll be making their way into the Ohio Valley at the start of next season. Kind of a big get for the Ohio Valley, as if if you would have looked at it, the OVC would have basically been down to a slim margin of teams as to what the conference is used to having. You know, recently the OVC had as many as 12. Uh, but since, since the loss of... Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State, you know, moving on. And then Belmont and Austin P. moving on, you'd have been left with Eastern Illinois, Moorhead State, Murray State, SIUE, SEMO, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, and UT Martin. So you'd have been down to eight teams, which is four less than what the conference is used to having here in recent years. So with the addition of Little Rock, that puts the OVC at nine teams. So one would think that the OVC is going to try and get another team. They, they may or may not have something already in the works because nine teams, just a little bit odd for uh, scheduling purposes. So if I had to guess, I'm putting money on that the OVC is going to try and get a 10th team to uh, join the OVC. Now, where they come from, no idea, because when we had did a little bit of ge- geographical uh guesses on who would possibly join the OVC in previous episodes. Uh, Little Rock was not on the map. But when you actually look at it, it does make sense for the Little Rock Trojans as, you know, with them being in the Sun Belt, 
you know, teams, you know, down in Texas, Alabama, uh, kind of all over the place, even Appalachian states in the Sun Belt. So kind of a broad range of teams inside the Sun Belt. But now you look at the geographical standpoint of the OVC, you now have a team in Arkansas, a team in Missouri, two in Illinois, then you got two in Kentucky and three in Tennessee with the OVC being headquarters in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So the one the one area where I look to see maybe the OVC try and get a school, you know, the OVC plays their you know conference term in Evansville, Indiana right now, but the OVC does not have a team in Indiana. So maybe maybe you try and get a team from Indiana. I don't know. Uh, I know Southern Indiana is not D one right now. Uh, maybe that's an option here. You know that the OVC might look to to gain some ground there, as you've seen. You know this year, last year, and you know even three years ago, these last couple of years, a lot more teams have been working their way up to the Division one level and are now in their first or second year at the Division one level. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, a little bit about them. Uh, Little Rock, they are four and six on the year with wins over SIU Carbondale and Northern Illinois. Uh, the previous two years, the Trojans went 21 and 10, and then last year finished 11 and 15. Uh, Little Rock is coached by Daryl Walker. Uh, Daryl Walker did have a short stint with the Washington Wizards as a head coach, uh, as well as being drafted in the NBA draft in 1983. So Daryl Walker been around the game for a while, and we'll we'll try and uh, we'll see if he'll be interested in getting on the show here, maybe the end of this season, and just kind of get his take on what the what his thoughts are about leaving the Sun Belt, joining the OVC. I'm sure he might like the how it's a little bit more closer fit and travel for the OVC than it is for the Sun Belt, as it looks like the uh, Trojans were putting on a bunch of miles. Uh, you know, over the last couple of years with the broad range of how many different states the conference of the Sun Belt uh, draws teams from. So outside of the recent news in the OVC with the addition of Little Rock, uh, college basketball as a whole right now, I mean, especially the last couple of days, and we'll just throw the whole season in there, uh, it seems to be the year of the underdogs thus far. There have been I don't know how many upsets thus far, whether it be mid-major going up against a power five school, uh, mid-major going up against a power five school that's ranked or just a power five school that's not ranked going up against a power five school that's highly ranked. It just seems to be that there's upsets every week, every day. And just even last night, uh, Purdue finds theirself at number one in the top 25, number one in the country. And, what do they do? They go on the road to a Big Ten school, and Rutgers comes away with a three-point buzzer beater. I mean, it, it seems like in the Big Ten, it doesn't matter how good you are, it's tough to win on the road. It doesn't matter if you're a ranked team going up against a team that's, you know, not ranked. I mean, it, the same with football in the Big Ten. It seems like it's almost impossible to win on the road if you're in the Big Ten. Uh, but nonetheless, Purdue is at number one. Uh, Baylor... They're at number two, Duke three, UCLA four, and Gonzaga five. That's your top five. And also last night, you get Texas at number seven, which is just behind Villanova at six. But Texas going to be falling in the standings as Seton Hall, who is just inside the top 25 at number 23, uh, came away with a home win 
over the Texas Longhorns. Kevin Willard has had great success at Seton Hall over the last you know, couple years. And you've had Miles Powell there, Sandro Mamakalashvili, and you know, Miles Kale. Uh, you know, Powell and Mamu Sandro Kalashvili have since moved on, but the Seton Hall Pirates still have some great talent, you know, in New Jersey. You know, you still have Miles Kale there. Uh, you got Roden, who's still there. And Seton Hall is going to be a scary, scary team come Big East play. Because with Seton Hall's wins already, they already have wins over Texas, Michigan, and did fall just short to Ohio State. So they've had a tough schedule. And Seton Hall, they're going to be a scary team to face, you know, once Big East gets here and, you know, the NCAA tournament. Uh, other teams in the top 25, UConn, who's at 15, they just fell just short to West Virginia. However, UConn did just come down with a couple injuries or else, you know, they may have been able to sneak away with a win, you know, against West Virginia and Bob Huggins and company. But I think the big game that a lot of people were, were interested in last night, big rivalry game, Iowa Big Ten school at Iowa State, Big 12 school. And Iowa State was, even though they're at home and ranked, they were still an underdog to Iowa. And, you know, Iowa, who's going to be a you know a force in the Big Ten, as they usually are, Iowa State just came out and, I mean, took it to them. They win by 20. But the story here for Iowa State is the fact that when these Big 12 projections came out at the beginning of the year, nobody gave Iowa State a prayer to have success. They were picked to finish dead last in the Big 12. And let me tell you, they have completely turned the script on, you know, the projections from earlier in the year. You know, they just win by 20 against Iowa. And you look at some of the other games they've played this year. They have wins over Memphis. They beat Memphis by 19. Uh, they beat Creighton by six on the road. And also have a 12-point win against Xavier, who was in the top 25 at the time. So while Iowa State's non-conference schedule is going to uh, kind of, it's going to be a little bit easier here the rest of the way as they have Jackson State, Southeastern Louisiana, and Chicago State. So three games they should easily win should push Iowa State to 12-0 before Big 12 play starts. And that's going to have them a home game against Baylor. You know, Baylor ranked in the top five right now. And who knows how far Iowa State will move up after these three games they have next against some lower-tier opponents, you know, going up against a ranked school. But with the win last night, Iowa, sh- Iowa State should move up a couple spots in the top 25. And who knows, by the time they face off against Baylor on New Year's Day, uh, should be two teams that are inside the top 25 uh, going head-to-head at Iowa State. So interested to see how Iowa State fares in that game against Baylor. Uh, but right now, you look at the Big 12, there's not one team below 500 in the conference. Kansas State is in last right now, 5-3 uh, and three overall. Uh, none of the teams have played a conference game at this point. So outside of some of these upsets that have happened here recently, uh, a couple mid-majors that are receiving votes to be ranked inside the top 25. Uh, we'll go ahead and consider Colorado State somewhat of a mid-major. Uh, they have the most votes right now trying to get inside the top 25. Then you got St. Bonaventure, uh, San Francisco, Loyola Chicago is in there. 
And San Francisco is off to a great start right now. I mean, they are 10-0, and and they are just a part of some really good basketball that has happened out on the West Coast right now, specifically the West Coast Conference. I mean, when you think West Coast Conference or WCC, whatever you want to call it, you're obviously going to think of Gonzaga. You know, they run away with this conference every single year, or you might think St. Mary's Gales. Well, this year right now, Gonzaga and St. Mary's, they're not even in the top two right now. You got San Francisco leading the way at 10-0, uh, BYU, who, who currently ranks 24th, 8-1, Gonzaga 8-2, St. Mary's at also 8-2, and, and then you got Portland and the Santa Clara Broncos are both 7-3. So a lot of great basketball happening out on the West Coast right now. Now, does that mean San Francisco is going to stay in first the whole year's? Mm, they might, but typically once conference play will get here, you'll see Gonzaga start to pile up the wins as they usually do in the WCC, and I would expect Gonzaga to finish atop that conference. However, I mean, you you cannot take away from what San Francisco and the Dons have done You know, this year. You look at what they've done through their non-conference schedule thus far. They haven't played any ranked teams yet, but they do have some good wins over some mid-major basketball programs they have a five-point win over Davidson uh they did beat Nevada by three also have an 11-point win against UNLV and a two-point win against Andy Kennedy and the UAB uh, Blazers so is there a win on there that just wows you eh, not really how but they do have quality wins while they might not be wins against you know top you know top 25 teams or power five programs if you will they do have a nice a nice mixture of wins on their schedule that has gotten them to this point and receiving votes to be ranked inside the top 25. Uh, their next game is against Grand Canyon and that is a home game. So we'll see if they can continue that uh that non or that streak of wins inside non-conference play. And a game to note, they will also play at home against SIU Carbondale. So a good Good game here for Carbondale to test their uh, test the waters there and see where they match up against some. Uh, well, we'll just consider San Francisco as top top twenty five uh, worthy candidates. So we'll see how Carbondale fares against the Dons out of San Francisco here towards Christmas time. But with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to some of the football news that has just recently came out of the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, the OVC announced that the non conference matchups. With the Southland Conference, there was an alliance they they noted here, oh, about a month, month and a half ago. But they just they just announced the matchups for next season. Uh, Texas A and M Commerce will travel to Tennessee Tech on September tenth, uh, September seventeenth. Uh, Nichols they'll play at Semo. Good matchup there. Uh, two teams that have been in the uh, FCS playoffs here in recent years. Uh, Murray State will travel to southeastern Louisiana. Good program down there, uh, the southeastern Louisiana Lions. Uh, Northwestern State, they'll go to eastern Illinois. Uh, October 22nd, southeast Missouri will travel to northwestern state. Then you have October 29th, UT Martin at Houston Baptist. And then eastern Illinois at McNeese State on November 5th. And then Texas A&M Commerce will round out the uh, season in that non-conference slate with a home game against Tennessee State on November 19th. 
So some quality games that the OVC and the Southland are going to see in non-conference schedules, which is good to know because there's a lot of non-conference openings or just schedule openings, if you will, within the OVC, you know, with Austin P leaving after this year and Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State already vacating the uh, OVC as of last year. Now, while Little Rock does join the OVC, they don't have a football school, so the OVC is not gaining any games there from Little Rock, uh, but that will help you know the rest of the conference that Little Rock has sports in. Um, you know, said it said it before. You know, who knows? Maybe the OVC is going to try and snag Morehead State's football program, bring them into the OVC. You know, as they play in that Pioneer League, you know, at the FCS level. But I'm not going to leave the Missouri Valley outside of this, outside of the football talk here. Uh, we'll go ahead and look at some of the FCS playoffs we got going here uh, this week. Missouri Valley, always a well-known representative inside the FCS playoffs. Uh, right now, your final matchups are uh, South Dakota State against Villanova, uh, East Tennessee State, North Dakota State, some Missouri Valley matchups there. You also have Montana State at Sam Houston. Uh, but before all that happens, you got a Friday matchup, which is tonight. Uh, Montana at James Madison. Uh, James Madison currently eight-point favorites. Game will be televised on ESPN2. Uh, North Dakota State heavily favored in their matchup against East Tennessee State tonight. Both programs 11-1. That game obviously going to be played at the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North Dakota. North Dakota State is currently getting... Uh, 25 and a half points here as the over-under is set at 49. Uh, South Dakota State traveling to Villanova. South Dakota State 10 and 3. Villanova 10 and 2. As South Dakota State is seven-point favorites up at Villanova Stadium in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. The Missouri Valley also had Southern Illinois in the playoffs last week, but they lost to that in-state foe, North Dakota State. I uh, believe it was 38 to seven, you know, up in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, the OVC's lone representative in the FCS playoffs was UT Martin. Uh, they traveled to Missouri State to open the FCS playoffs. Kind of a heavy underdog. Uh, they came away with an upset win as they knocked off Missouri State, and then traveled to Montana State last week. Uh, UT Martin would fall 26 to seven to the Bobcats. Uh, Montana State moved on. To this week, uh, UT Martin finished the season 10-3 and overall. Uh, Southern Illinois finished their season at 8-5. Uh, but with that, that's going to go ahead and wrap up Episode 8 here on View of the Valleys. Uh, not sure what our schedule is going to look like here over the next couple weeks. Obviously, our hope and goal is to try and get this every week, but not knowing how our schedules are going to match up, at least until the new year. Uh it's kind of hard to, you know, go ahead and say we're going to have an episode next week. Uh, hope we do. Uh, if not, you know, we hope you'll tune in for our next episode. If that's next week, two weeks, or sometime at the beginning of January, but we're going to hope to get this back and rolling. You know, once our schedules align again, and we can talk and dive into a lot of the conference matchups between the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley. So for that, thanks for tuning in. Uh, For Chris Smith and TJ Hoover, who's usually here, uh, we hope you'll tune in for the next episode here on View View of the Valleys. But for TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. 
Be sure to tune in for our next episode and go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week.